Welcome to the Lead and Follow podcast. I'm your host, Sharna Fabiano, author of the book, Lead and Follow. And I'm pleased to bring you the latest research, insights, and educational techniques in the emerging field of followership to help you connect and collaborate better with the people around you, whether you're leading or following. Please do leave us a review in your favorite podcast app, and thanks so much for listening. Today, I'm speaking with Henry Sargent, a current student at Christopher Newport University and a participant in its unique President's Leadership Program, which now includes a whole course on followership. This episode is part three of a three-part series in which we're exploring the integration of followership into this program, both as a theoretical study and also as a practice. And in addition to that, how it's been changing the experience of faculty and students. So if you haven't already listened to parts one and two in this series, please be sure to make time for that after listening to today's episode. But for now, Henry, welcome to the podcast. Hi, how are you doing? Great. I'm so glad you're here. I want to start by just giving listeners a little introduction to you and who you are. So let us know where you are in your educational journey and maybe what your current focus is both on and off campus. Absolutely. Um, Again, my name is Henry Sargent. Uh, I am a junior at Christopher Newport University. My major is communications with a minor in Spanish and, of course, leadership, as we're talking about today. I have a couple leadership positions on campus, too. I'm president of the CNU club golf team, in addition to being the community service chair in my uh, fraternity and on the side, I also run a an art page, a vintage page on Instagram called Sergeant Vintage, where I paint on uh, secondhand clothing. So yeah, there's a lot of leadership and followership around my life right now. Absolutely. I'm looking forward to hearing a little bit more about each of those areas, actually. But I want to make sure that we start by getting a little bit of your experience of the followership course. That's such an unusual and exciting thing, especially for someone like me who's a followership nerd. So I'm curious when you encountered followership, you know, in the leadership program, what was your first reaction to that? How was it introduced and what what meaning did that have for you in the context of your own career? Something that I guess is unique to CNU that has been kind of commonplace uh, in my experience is followership. Uh, I didn't really understand that it was kind of unique in the overarching study of leadership. Um, But ever since I started, followership has been emphasized as something incredibly important at CNU. And it was just kind of taken as a given for me, but I didn't really understand what what it meant until I took uh, Professor Lori Throops and Lacey Gray Hunter's course on followership and leadership, where we essentially had to enact followership and leadership scenarios in class with our like three hour periods. And that really emphasized to me, given how we would change roles from leader to follower each week in different activities, emphasized the the real importance of uh, having active and engaged followers in in a group setting. We had all these check boxes and check marks to, that we had available to us. And you could really tell when the followership was lacking because these were group tasks such as, uh, I don't know, building things with Pringles chips or <laughs> uh, creating 10 slide slideshow presentations in 10 minutes where if somebody wasn't adhering to their role as 
prescribed in the process by the leader. If somebody wasn't doing that, it was very apparent, which emphasized, I think, everyone in the room that followers are as integral to group processes as the leader. That's a great example. I'm I'm so curious if you could take us inside maybe one of those little practice sessions. Like what would happen if the skills were lacking? We essentially had this model throughout the entire course. It was, um, we had this acronym SOLVE. Set roles, outline the problem, list multiple strategies, veer towards consensus, and then evaluate results. So in that setting roles comes first. That's what you have to do first. And that's the kind of that's kind of on the leader to prescribe action to everyone else. And in that there's this sense of trust present where it's like over the course of building into kind of friendly relationships with everybody in your groups. When somebody's the leader and you tell somebody else about their role, there's trust there that you're you're going to do it. And that is almost completely delegated. If we're talking about the PowerPoint thing where we had to create a pretty long, we, we had to do like a 20 minute presentation on our PowerPoint after only having about 25 minutes to make our PowerPoint, which mm-hmm. was kind of like, whoa, we can't do that at first. But um, yeah, quite a challenge. Yeah. Once we set those roles though, and you know, we delegated like you, you are going to research this person. You are going to find photos. You are going to, you know, put the sources together, whatever, whatever it may be. You had all these kind of moving parts as prescribed by the leader and them coming together is very much on leadership in terms of prescribing those roles, but the followership in it, in order to kind of adhere to that, that goal was, you know, super integral. And if one piece falls off then the whole presentation is not going to be as cohesive yeah, that makes sense. I can just imagine, okay, say my task is like to get the photos and I just don't do it. Or if I do it badly, then suddenly the presentation doesn't have photos or like photos are off and like there's nothing to kind of remedy that with on such a short deadline. Same with the research or anything. Yeah. It also emphasizes kind of how leader can't get sucked into the task either and has to be able to kind of trust that that followership, trust that they're going to do a good job because the leader gets sucked into one aspect of things mm-hmm. or another, then they're not going to be able to kind of reemphasize the process in other uh, areas. Yeah. Great example. And also a great example of how the follower then impacts the leader's ability to do their job. Let's expand a little bit. You know, you'd mentioned several things you're involved with the golf, you're the community service through your fraternity. Um, where do you see these lessons leadership and followership showing up for you right now, kind of outside the class. So club golf has been a whirlwind of things. Um, I started it in my freshman year. Mm -hmm. Um, We didn't have a club golf team before I came and starting that and getting people engaged was a really hard lesson in that leaders can't do everything by themselves, even if they want to. (laughs) Yeah. Because even even when I was doing all the marketing, writing the constitution and Mm -hmm. recruiting other officers, I was bitter because I was doing the majority of the tasks and I wasn't getting any help from my cabinet. We had no practice turnout for 
the first two semesters at least. People were really using the club as just kind of a discount at the local course more than anything. And that experience leading up to this year really informed me as to how important it is to have a team culture that relies on your followers being an active part of what you're doing. And I've made changes because of that. Identified the club members who were the most engaged and Mm -hmm. I gave them cabinet roles rather than the people who weren't as engaged and kind of phased out the people who weren't doing as much this year, which has been our most successful year. Me and my vice president, Parker, who has been an immense help to me, he's probably the best follower. Actually, can you just maybe talk a little bit about how you work with your vice president? You said he's the best follower. Like, what does that mean? I have a lot of involvements on campus. I have a lot of things that are kind of pulling me in different directions. I'm pretty much busy all day, every day, which I like. But that causes me to forget certain things about golf, forget things that I need to be doing as as a leader. And Parker has been so helpful in just shooting me reminder texts. Uh, if nothing else, being a guy who I can like drop off supplies at his place or if I can't make it to practice for whatever reason, he'll make sure to be there and set the practice plan for people. I wouldn't be able to survive as president without his help in terms of reminding me things to do, reminding me what I have to send in to our club athletics director, reminding me about certain things that members have requested. So yeah, he keeps me afloat, um, which is something that definitely learned in class is important for followers to do like, you know, keep the leader in control. And I think I would definitely be an insufficient president at this point if it weren't for Parker. And I'm grateful for that because this year we do actually have an active team where 10 people are showing up to practice. Everybody's participating in tournaments. Um, So this has definitely been our most successful year. And I want to credit that a lot to followers like Parker or people on the team showing uh, initiative and getting people involved, uh, which I have appreciated endlessly because I tried to just lead straight up for about a year and a half in club golf and it didn't work. So I would forget things and there was no initiative coming from under me to kind of keep the, the cycle going, kind of keep the club progressing. So I've learned a lot through my process as a club golf president. And a lot of that has emphasize the importance of having an active club and a cabinet that actually cares about keeping the process uh, moving forward. Such a great case study, right? That you created for yourself. It's really fabulous. And let's give a shout out to Parker for keeping, <laughs> yeah, keeping his Parker leader Markle. afloat. You, yeah, Fabulous. <laughs> um, it sounds like you have just a really great team dynamic. They're very balanced and um, kind of mutually supportive. Wonderful. Mm-hmm. Where else are you seeing kind of leading following lessons right now? I know you mentioned um, you work, do a lot of community service and you also have your own um, business. What comes to mind? The other area where I see the most leader and followership coming into play would be the photo shoots that I've been having for my clothing brand, so to speak. Mm -hmm. The first photo shoot, I had a lot of anxiety uh, for. I didn't know how receptive my like fraternity brothers would be to um, wearing my clothing and you know uh taking part in the like the visual concept that i wanted uh because it was kind of 
I, I do like to tell kind of a story with when I take photos. It's not just taking it in front of a white backdrop or something like that. So I was I was definitely apprehensive in bringing my clothing over and having them try it on. I, I didn't plan it out well enough. I I didn't do enough to prepare. And I, I felt kind of naked when I walked into the room and I had all my clothes with me. And I was just kind of like, ah, you know, like... <laughs> If you want to put this on, maybe you'll look good with this or something like that. But followership in that case saved me because the leadership was so lacking on my part. Because once um, all my friends started putting my clothes on, I brought some accessories over too. It really started to be kind of just a really fun, creative environment where everyone who was putting my clothes on was coming to me and like giving me ideas and like Mm. asking like look good with this or like what if we posed it right here or you know there's there was kind of artistic direction coming from multiple areas especially the people who are wearing things at certain times and essentially the concept was kind of putting someone in kind of a not ridiculous but eccentric outfit with my clothing and interlaying them with a bunch of other guys who are just wearing white t-shirts and jeans and whatnot so it's kind of a it's kind of like an open concept and everyone was really adding their own input as to how to emphasize kind of the thought process behind it. And it was really cool to see how everyone was involved and kind of propping me up through the process. Mm -hmm. It it made me feel like I was more prepared than I was. And I was was really grateful for how involved they were or else it wouldn't have gone as well. I don't think so that kind of creative creativity coming from followers, so to speak is super, was super essential in getting that off the ground. And yesterday I had another photo shoot in my yesterday, actually in my garage. And I took a lot of lessons from that. Like I made sure the organization was better. I made sure there were actually mirrors in the room, which is important and making sure that there was a, bit more structure to it so it wasn't as kind of flowy i kind of gave gave it a thesis gave it a set and um, put my ideas forward but still it went even better than last time because you still had that that creative influence coming from everyone who was there in a follower role you had everyone adding their own individual styles to to the idea that was kind of the overarching structure and it was a really cool creative bubble so in that, like accepting influence from followers and that type of uh, creative environment, I know a lot of other artists may be more strict on that than me or like less open to that if they have a very finite view of what they want. But to have that kind of interactive experience is really cool and definitely emphasizes the importance of followership to me. Beautiful. Yeah, I I kind of get excited even thinking about it as you describe the the creative input from the group that kind of rushed in and they're like, we're here to support you. You know, it's like, like the best example of, of creative followership is like, even when you're not sure and you're like, I have this stuff, you know, I'm not sure what the frame is. I'm not sure what the story is. And then your followers are just like, well, what if I love that? What if question, you know, what about this? What if that? And then that gives you as a leader, something to choose right? Mm -hmm. They're like providing you, you know, all the support with which you can then make some choices and kind of find your way. And then in the second photo shoot, you still have that as you're saying, but because you have 
a little bit more experience, your frame was a little stronger. Maybe your vision mm-hmm. was a little clearer and that just makes the dialogue richer. Exactly. Fabulous. And of course there's a whole spectrum of how those, you know, two forces can interact. You can always have a, a more precise vision or a less, you know, precise one, a more open one, but it sounds like the way you interacted with your followers in both of those cases was like a really good balance mm-hmm. and produced, you know, a, a really creative outcome. Yeah. I mean, I feel, I feel very appreciated by people when that happens. And I, I always think that group dynamic is better when it's more, I mean, I, I guess I have a more democratic bias, but, you know, studying leadership also emphasizes that, you know, it's like leader sets the frame, gives it kind of a thesis. And then the um, followers are, it's definitely rich when the content is like a, production of like the creativity of the followers and the leader together, I suppose. Yeah. Beautiful. I, we're going to put this in the show notes, but do you want to share your brand? So if people are curious, they can go check out the photos. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I go by Sergeant vintage on Instagram, S E R G E N T. And I repurpose and relove uh secondhand and true vintage clothing. Um, very cartoon inspired, very, I don't know. I'm not, I'm not comparing myself to Basquiat, but very Basquiat inspired. Uh, but yeah, please check me out. I put a lot awesome. of yeah. Awesome. We'll put that in the show notes. So Henry, I'm curious, just as you know, you're, you're a junior, so you've had a kind of few years and these really fantastic learning experiences, right. To implement what you're learning outside the classroom. Are, are there any other kind of key things that you feel like you've learned about being the leader, you know, given the value of followership and how important that is to, you know, leadership success. So, yeah, I've, I've given examples of very specific contexts where I am a leader and I've spent these years really perfecting and understanding myself in those leadership roles and making sure those kind of niche roles uh, are fulfilled by me. And that takes a lot of effort. And what that also tells me is that I shouldn't be a, I shouldn't be a leader in a lot of other contexts. I mean, not to say that I don't have the capability, but I think a lot of what leadership study has taught me is like, you need to be very self-aware of your abilities and and strengths when you enter a group process. And it's a, it's a big help to the group process when you have the ability to recognize somebody within the group who is probably better suited than you to lead whatever power base that comes from like referent expert, whatever, if it's, if it's going to be clothing or art based, I feel like I have the ethos to back that up. I can take that up. If it's, if it's something about logistically handling golf operations, I've worked at a golf course. I'm club golf president. I can do that. (laughs) But I don't know if it's like a math study session or something. I'm a comm major. Like I'm not going to try, not going to try and be that guy in the room who, who who feels that they're like an inherent leader, you know, alpha male, whatever. I, I always try and be on my feet. And if I'm trying to accomplish something as a group, like, Oh, for example, the other day uh, we were demolishing a uh, shed for one of my fraternity brothers, neighbors. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I've done, some construction work before, but I know some of my fraternity brothers like actually work construction. So I tried to 
focus, focused leadership within them, like very, like verbally, Mm -hmm. Uh, because, you know, I understand that a group process goes better when someone who's leading has the most ethos in a certain area. I think that's really wise, Henry. And, you know, maybe to you, it seems obvious because you're right in the middle of it, you know, and you're seeing how this plays out. But I think in the wider world, it's just really important for all of us, you know, at all ages, kind of all generations here to, to understand what you're saying. And I think it has to do with valuing followership because when we realize, you know, these two roles go together, they're both essential. It kind of frees us from our attachment to the leader role all the time. Mm -hmm. You know, as you're saying, I don't need to be the leader all the time. In fact, it's, it's not going to go well if I try to be leader in these areas that I'm really not the expert in or the the best, um, the closest to the information or, you know, whatever the power base may, may be. And that's really freeing. And it's really, um, it's just very functional. I think it, it's just a really wise observation and something I'd like to highlight and underline kind of for all of us and, you know, wherever we might find ourselves. Absolutely. Yeah, it's not to say like, know your place per se, but it's like, if you want to be a leader in a certain area, then you have to kind of earn that spot. And if not, it'll probably go better if you are a follower first or. Yeah. And that that's okay. Right. Like it, we can be great followers when other people happen to have the the position or the expertise, right. That's called for. I'm hoping that these episodes will be listened to by other students and educators kind of around the country. I'm curious if you have anything to share with other students of leadership who, you know, maybe have a different experience, you know, who might not have had uh, the exposure to followership that you have. I would kind of jump off what you were just saying a few seconds ago and just, just try and chip away at the internal connotation that the word follower has would be the most important thing. Cause I, I know that if I didn't have experience, if I didn't have years of leadership classes under my belt, I wouldn't see followership in the same light. I mean, I hear, I mean, I, I listen, I listen to a lot of rap and obviously it probably goes to other genres as well, but there's, there's always lyrics that kind of disparage the word follower to prop up the word leader. And that's, that's just kind of a cultural thing. Uh, And that's just one example, but there, there's, there's so much fulfillment that can come from being like a good follower and enabling uh, a group to go on. Like I, I, I'm infinitely grateful to the freshmen and sophomores who have made club golf an actual culture and organization now. And let me tell you, I, I felt I did not feel the same pride in the organization that I have now at any point before, even though I could call myself the president leader every single one of these semesters. As a follower, you have the ability to enrich so much and be appreciated uh, for so many things. You don't have to be a leader to impact somebody's life in a positive fashion. You don't have to be a leader to to be the integral part of something that that moves a group process forward. And I mean, the problem still definitely lies in that any kind of news coverage that goes to any kind of task completion is going to cover the leader. But there's never been one person that has been able to like change something significant on, on like straight up on their own. Um, so that, that's what I'd have to say, like being 
a follower does not mean that you're not as important as leaders. It's something, as you say, that's so culturally embedded, it's worth repeating and reminding ourselves, right, of and looking for those examples of of team experience because it really I think it really does come come down to that and more and more in you know all industries we're moving towards team generated work so we we need to be able to know that we're powerful no matter what role we're on right in those teams because you know frequently we're going to be followers um any other thoughts about teamwork or you know working in groups that you've observed uh, over the past couple of years that are kind of top of mind right now. Yeah, I wanted to. I kind of wanted to share this kind of one little anecdote from uh, earlier this year within my um, within my fraternity. Mm-hmm. We were in a, like a session at our president's house, deciding over which um, potential new members would receive bids from us, which is a setting where you have the entire fraternity, and then you have one guy operating the slideshow. And talking things over and I was sitting on the floor before we started just hearing the chatter echo around the room from the 40, 50, some guys in there. And I was thinking to myself, we are not going to get out of here under two hours if this is how this discussion is going (laughs) to. So before we started, I kind of like when the room went quiet, I like raised my hand and I was like, can we all agree to put the power into James, our president? Can we all agree to put the power into James in terms of taking votes and discussing people? Um, and I, I just I really wanted to focus like that influence in him and like give him that power in the moment. And everybody kind of nodded their heads and that was kind of just accepted. People went with it. But I don't, I don't think if I had if I hadn't said that, it would then that the session would have gone as smoothly as it did. I don't want to like pat myself on the back too much, but it just, it, it does highlight to me like how important it is setting roles is even when those roles are already explicit uh, mm-hmm. because otherwise, and like, especially with like 20 something year old men who, <laughs> who are, you know, good friends with each other. And it, it really highlights the importance of having that, having established followers and leaders. Absolutely. And I kind of love how you phrased it too. You know, I want to capture your, is it, can, can we give the power to, is that how you mm-hmm. phrased it? Yeah. I kind of love that because you're, you know, you are giving, right. You're giving the power. It's not like he's just like the King and like ordering you around, right. You're deciding as a group, we're endowing this power with this person because we trust him and we know that he'll act like for the group. Any other details about how that went after that? I, I imagine that made a huge difference uh, had you not said that, but I'm just curious to, again, kind of paint the picture. Like, how did he embody the leader or not? He, he took it in stride. He, he, <laughs> he very much took it as if, you know, it was like a, I gave him a badge. And I, I appreciated <laughs> that because he, I definitely felt that he, um, he utilized that, that, that influence, like he felt like he had that influence and he he felt comfortable kind of being like, okay, like we have to move on or like, let's mm-hmm. get hands up like votes. And I, I could tell like he felt kind of like empowered in that, even though he was, you know, he's, he had been president for a long time, but I, he had, and he had expressed frustration 
in the past over, you know, people not listening to him or talking over Mm -hmm. him or, you know, sloppy group process. So I I could definitely feel that confidence emanating from him. And I think at one point he even said like, Hey, we agreed upon this. I'm like, I'm, I'm kind of running the room right now. Yeah. And so I think that definitely made the, um, our, our task more efficient that night. And, you know, we were able to go home and hang out a little earlier, which was good. Yeah. No doubt. No doubt. And, you know, you have built in their consent, right. And also like the integrity of owning the leader role, right. And saying, Hey, you know, you've endowed me with this. Like I'm doing my, my job for all of us. Absolutely. Great. Yeah. Really cool example. Well, Henry, it's been a real pleasure hearing these stories, you know, how like leadership and followership has come alive for you and how your choices are creating really strong groups you know, and group process. And I just foresee like so much more of that for you in your future. So thank you so much for sharing your experience. Thank you, Sharna, for having me. I really appreciate uh, having a box to stand on. (laughs) You're very welcome. And best of luck to you, Henry. Thanks so much. You have been listening to the Lead and Follow podcast. Special thanks to Glover Gill for composing our music. And thank you to all of our subscribers. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider supporting the show with a paid subscription. And if your team or organization is interested in followership training, please reach out anytime. I'd love to help.